0: Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae.
1: So Leland, I know you've had a very busy end of your last week, but we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about and get to, I think, maybe the guests that you and I have looked forward to talking to the most, maybe in the history of the podcast.
2: So let's just jump into the conversation here. We have Coach Laporte from JMU Softball on. I I gave it hype last week that uh, one of the guests I've been most excited about to have on our podcast coming on this week. So Coach Laporte, thanks for coming on with us and making time for the Exports Podcast.
0: Well, thanks for having me. Very excited to talk tonight.
2: So your fifth season as head coach, you're getting ready to begin? I think
0: so. No, I, I, I've lost count. Um, I think it was 2017. Um, yeah. when, um, I took over as interim head coach. So yeah, that might be, that might
2: be right. <laughs> so, uh, according to the Wikipedia, you're right. And then you're, you know, one of the few guests that we have that actually have a Wikipedia on there about you. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, but you've been at JMU a while and, uh, you've been there for all the success and, and, uh, your time with Mickey Dean as head coach, and then you just kept it going with, uh, with your efforts that you're already doing as assistant and kept it going as a head coach and uh, to a kind of a, a pinnacle last year. And we'll circle back to that, but I want to talk about what's upcoming here this season that you have coming, you have a young team. You lost a lot from that a team that everybody got to know last spring so well. Um, but what, what is it looking like for 2022 season, a, a full 22, 20, 2022 season?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're really looking forward to. Um, obviously it's been a tough couple of years um, with, COVID and, and all the new guidelines and just, um, the student athletes just have had to adjust a lot. And obviously this year, um, we have a lot of new faces, so it, it's kind of been, it, it has been nice. It's been refreshing. It has been very different. The fall was more about teaching, um, our system and the way we do things, but, you know, we haven't done that um, for a long time as a coaching staff. So there's many days that we were leaving practice in the fall and we're like, oh my gosh, we've taken that for granted, you know, since <laughs> we've been such a veteran team for three years. And um, with with so many freshmen and, you know, some transfers, um, it, it's important that they understand our way. Um, and it's important for upperclassmen to kind of get into a leadership. Role, So, you know, they've never really been, um, you know, had to have that role as leaders. So they're also adjusting to that. So I think as a whole, our team is is doing a great job at um, figuring out what their identity um, is going to be. And I think the biggest way to do that is getting games under their belt. You know, they have to get their feet wet. Um, and, and we're excited for next weekend and just getting out there and, and getting on the dirt and playing.
1: So with that, and this year is going to be maybe even more difficult. It's a very tough non-conference schedule, but these games matter more than most seasons in the sense that you won't be able to win the CAA and get that automatic bid. Do you think that adds pressure to the team, especially early on? Or do you think it gives them more of a, hey, let's just go out there and see what we can do. And if it turns out great, great. Then we're in a great position for the at-large. And if not, then, you know, just continue to grow as a team.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, this group has had pressure since day one.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: so, um, you know, the first day they stepped on campus, they felt the pressure. Um, so I think they've done a good job um, at, you know, we, we, in the fall, we, we really didn't talk about last year that much in the World Series. Like, obviously, we had some situations where we had some celebrations in our ring ceremony, which, you know, is very important. But when we're in a practice setting and, and things like that, um we we don't talk about last year we don't talk the past we we try to figure out who we are but deep down there's pressure um and I like I said I think just being able to just play is going to be very helpful um but yeah I mean it's it's going to be tough and I think even the upperclassmen that are back um haven't played you know a full season um if, if you think about it our juniors have never even played fifty-six ball games because their freshman year, they, you know, we got shut down um, due to COVID, and then last year we played thirty-some games. So, I think with the at-large, and I think we, you know, we did the schedule before we even knew uh, right. that we were not going to be able to participate in the tournament. Because we felt like it's important, we've always had this philosophy of playing a very hard non-conference schedule, so that our team realizes what the postseason is going to be like, you know, if we happen to make it. So it's something we, you know, did from the get-go. And then when we found out that, you know, we we didn't have a chance to play in the tournament, it's a good enough schedule to possibly get an at-large. But I can tell you, it is not going to be easy.
1: Yeah, well, and I (laughs) I would agree with that. Right off
2: the bat,
1: I was going to say Leland and I. We talked about it when, when that decision was made by the CAA, that we started looking at the JMU teams and going, all right, well, if there is one team that has a chance in it at large, but it's probably softball, and it's probably, in large part, fairly or not for the other programs, but with that success you guys had last year, it kind of puts that program on the map. And so, it, in the same way that uh, you know Gonzaga for March Madness, for mm-hmm. our listeners, uh, a comparison, like a team that goes deep, makes a big run, and everyone's like, oh, cool, a Cinderella story. And now you guys, being not from a Power 5 conference, now you're not allowed to compete in that conference tournament, but people will recognize the name and be like, oh, I remember them. They were pretty good. Wow, look at their record. Yeah, It's a shame they couldn't be in the conference tournament. Maybe give them an at-large bid. So I would agree that it's going to be tough, but if there is a program at JMU that can get that at-large bid, I think you guys are probably the best candidate for it.
0: Well, let's hope. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I, I think the girls just, they can't think about it. They have to take it one game at a time, really one pitch at a time, and that's kind of what our message is going to be. Um, you know, we can't put the cart before the horse. It, it, we have to, you know, it, it's one day at a time, one game at a time, and, and what happens happens.
1: So I yeah, want I, I want to ask, since you mentioned one pitch at a time, Odyssey Alexander, obviously phenomenal pitcher, Probably the best player in the program's history. If not, she's on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, so talk about who's coming into that role for JMU. It's no slouch. I saw her numbers <laughs> in the offseason and was blown away by those. So give the fans uh, what they're going to be seeing most, night, or most nights or most days on the mound.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if, if anybody followed us last year, Um, they knew that we didn't have Odyssey Alexander for pretty much the whole season. Um, You know, she had an injury that she got, I think in our first tournament and uh, she didn't come back till middle of April. Um, So Alyssa Humphrey and Alexis Bermudez had to um, put their big girl pants on and step up. And, and they did Um, both of them carried us. Yes. It was only, you know, 30 some games we played, but they only lost one game between them. And, um, they did such a good job. You know, Alyssa was a freshman um, and, and Lex, you know, has some years of experience under her, um, but, you know, was behind C um, the previous year. So she stepped up for us and, and we're expecting the same thing this year from both of them. And the nice thing is they do work well off of each other. They're very different pitchers. Um, so they complement each other well. And then we have two freshmen, um, you know, we brought in that are also utility players that also hit and play another position, um, that I think can help us a lot as well, get us some innings.
2: Talk about some of these other players that, uh, you know, I, the, the vast majority of the public and, and even local people, you know, really caught on late in the season when, when Odyssey was there. Um, so they all know she'll, she's gone, but some of those other players you mentioned know, Kate Gordon, which I know she's gotten married and that's not her current name now. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, Madison was there and uh, Lindsay Meeks, uh, she really, you know, got a lot of attention and, and uh, she's moving on. So talk about, um, you know, filling in some of those holes uh, that you have to with uh, with who you got. I know you have a lot of freshmen that are going to see playing time.
0: Yeah, we do. Um, you know, I think some familiar um, names is, you know, coming back is our freshman catcher who did a phenomenal job. Um, Lauren Burnett. Yep. Um, we have Kelly Phillips, um, Hallie Hall that also got some – got playing time, you know, they were, they won the DP spot and they were going back and forth and really had some big time hits for us in the postseason. Um, and then we have a junior that actually has redshirted her last two years. Um, one was a COVID. Then obviously she had an injury last year, um, Reed Butler, who just had such a phenomenal um, fall for us and um, really kind of just stepped up in all facets. So we're really excited about what she can do. She's probably going to be in center field Um, And then some of our freshmen that we brought in are really doing a good job. I think they knew, um, you know, their whole recruiting process where they were going to be and they were going to have to come in and be impact players right away. Um, Morgan Maceras out of Pennsylvania, Isabel Fishman um, from California, um, Lexi Rogers from Pennsylvania as well. So we, we have some freshmen that had the understanding of, you know, they weren't going to come in and and have to to sit and and learn like they needed to come in and, and be ready right away. Um, And then we have some other freshmen that have really surprised us us that, you know, we're still trying to make our lineup. To be completely honest, I still don't have it right now. (laughs) Um, But I'm just so glad that our freshmen came in and they were they wanted to work from the get go. They wanted to learn. um, They wanted to do a lot extra and, you know, that usually only happens for like the first three weeks and then their bodies are like, oh, <laughs> and uh, but this group has worked so hard all fall. And then when they got back in the spring, um, it was that same vibe. So that's really important for, you know, our underclassmen to, to understand there's a lot more that goes into it than just two hours of practice each day. Um, and they've bought in, you know, to, to what we try to do um, already.
2: And, you know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, you lost a lot and you, you, you're you fitting together what you have uh, to attack this season. But, I mean, you do have in the coaches poll I saw today, you were 17th in the preseason poll. So, I, how do you handle in, you know, across the board now that not, you know, JMU, everybody knows who JMU is now. You're not going to sneak up on anybody. You know, when you get into these Power 5 games and ranked games, that's ranked on ranked now, you know, to start the season. It's not – Um, unranked versus ranked and um, also on the recruiting trail and, and and we'll dive deeper into recruiting. but also in recruiting, you're not having to explain where, where Harrisonburg is to these, uh, you know, these (laughs) players at these camps and stuff. Uh, Talk about, you know, now that the target uh, has kind of shifted from in front of you to kind of on you.
0: Yeah, it has. It's the first time I've ever been to the West coast, um, California, and Colorado um, this summer where no, not one person, not one person asked me, you know, what, where's JMU or what is JMU?
1: Um,
0: That was, that was pretty neat. And it, you know, I think it's, it's definitely helped recruiting. Um, You know, the, the people or the, the players that we have coming to camps and the teams that they, you know, come from, we've never really had. Um, And we've gotten some big time recruits um, in the 23 class that we're super excited about, Um, you know, and, and two of them, and they're both from Virginia. Um, And I think that's really important um, as well. You know, all of our, our four All-Americans that have played um, for JMU and, and um, myself and, and the staff are all from the state of Virginia. Jalen Ford, Megan Good, Kate Gordon, and Odyssey. Um, so those are our four All-Americans, and they're all from Virginia. So I, it's important that we stay in state. Um, but, yeah, it's it's helped. And I feel like, honestly, we've we've kind of transitioned in the last five years into having that target on our back, especially in conference. Um, yeah. So. Um, it, it's something that happens, um, and you just got to go with it, you know? And, and I feel like it's important for our girls to always like find fuel. Um, and I think that's what we did in the post season. And, um, they just, they found ways to get themselves motivated, um, and, you know, carrying the tradition and, and, you know, representing themselves in the right way. So that's what we try to do. And yes, the target's been on our back for a long time. <laughs>
2: So you, you mentioned, you mentioned our, you know, in-state recruits and all those players. Uh, I had them listed out ready to recite them for you as well. But Megan Good is one that stands out for our listeners coming from Augusta County, coming from Fort Defiance. Um, you know, to, to be honest with you, I didn't really watch much JMU softball until Megan Good was there. And uh, then I've stayed or stuck around for it. Um, and she was so great and, and a legend for JMU softball coming from Augusta County. Uh, talk about, uh, you know, you uh, know, Megan's time there uh, coaching her while she was there and then also you know how you filled in behind her and where you know you know she took off where Jalen Ford was already riding high but you know talk about uh, Megan Good's time at JMU and and, and since.
0: Megan was probably uh, one of the most natural athletes Um, we've You know she was a big volleyball player Mm -hmm. um, coming out of high school. Um, Honestly, I didn't, I didn't think she wanted to even play softball. I mean, we had to beg her. She really wanted to play volleyball. Um, So we got very lucky um, with her. And you know she was very raw. Like, like I said, Megan played a bunch of Jo volleyball, never really played travel ball. Um, So like someone that has that natural ability that really hadn't been fine tuned, um, that was very exciting, um, especially for Mickey being the pitching coach at that time and. You know, Megan, Megan just has this way about her that she does not like to lose. And really none of them did. Um, Jalen was the same way. They just had some type of grit. And uh, that's always, that's sometimes hard as a coach, like to figure that out in the recruiting process. Like, do they have that like gamesmanship where they, you know, they, they hate to lose. And uh, I can tell you, she had that. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't leave the bullpens until she got it right. She was just that type of player um, she'd be in there for hours until she figured it out. Um, but I can, I don't know if we've ever replaced her, um, or Jalen <laughs> and good
1: point.
0: Yeah. Um, they were just phenomenal athletes and a phenomenal people. And I think that's, what's important too. Um, at the end of the day, like they would do anything for any of their teammates. I still talk to them, you know, on a regular basis. And I think that's, what's important for us as a coach, like Yes, you know, being a great player is one thing, but being a great person um, where your teammates look up to you, that's that's even more for us um, as a staff. And I can tell you those two um, were top of the line when it comes to the people they were.
2: It's great. I do. Yeah, I I, I joined the high school JV staff uh, at Fort Defiance and I'd show up just for games to coach first base just to help my buddy who's the head coach. And so I claim all credit for making good. So whatever, you go. you needed, I never was around her on a softball field, but clearly that JV program <laughs> softball coach for <laughs> half a year, you know, that was, it was all me. <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> well, the other big thing around JMU, and it goes back to touch on, you know, needing the at-large bid, the move to the Sunbelt. And everybody t- focuses on the football aspect because obviously that's the main driver in the realignment discussion. But it also is a really beneficial thing for softball it's a much better conference from top to bottom no disrespect to the CAA but the Sun Belt is just a better conference in terms of softball and it increases that competition helps you on the recruiting trail for that as well what is what is the best part or what are you looking forward to the most in joining the Sun Belt
0: you know it's funny in all my years of coaching. I have really never played a lot of Sun Belt teams or been there, you know, to their facilities. Like any time that we've played, it's been like at a neutral tournament. Um, so, you know, I think we're excited to to explore different cities and, and different places. And like you said, I mean, the competition is tough. I mean, the weekends there's going to be no easy weekends. Um, so, I think you know th- they had four teams um, go to the NCAA's last year. Um so it's it's going to be different. It's just going to be a different March and April. Um but I think it's going to be good and like you said like it is a softball conference. It really is and, and in the press release um you know the commissioner was down last week and you know he talked about how strong softball was. So it's exciting to have a non-football sport um, and a non-basketball sport to be mentioned. And, and it means a lot to our team and, and our, um, you know, our whole staff um, to, to be in a
1: conference where,
0: um, you know, our sport is, is so high.
1: So when, All right. when you're looking at, uh, I know you mentioned going into the new places and stuff talking just for folks that might not understand what that does in further exposure for your program and been able not only to play in those areas and, Oh, okay, cool. It's a new school, new facilities. We're getting to see a new part of the country, just you and the team, but also then that opens up those recruiting portals in those particular areas.
0: Correct. I mean, we honestly don't get a lot of players from, you know, that South region, um, that Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana. I don't, I don't know if we have any, um, and we've gone after a couple of them. The problem is, a lot of the Georgia kids, they have the Hope Scholarship in the state. Um, same with Florida with the bright future. So it's tough sometimes to get those kids, and they don't they don't like to go too far away from home. Um, we, we've gone after some Georgia kids a couple times, um, and, and they like to stay close by. And there's so many schools sure. um, in that area. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think getting out um, to those schools and, and other people seeing us play, um, and I think the atmospheres are going to be great. I mean, Louisiana Lafayette has one of the best – atmospheres in college softball and um we're you know we're excited to go down there i mean they're the big dog in the conference and and have been for a while i still don't know um you know it's been talks that there's going to be two different divisions based on regional um so you know that would have us being with marshall and app state and coastal georgia state georgia southern um but we still have not gotten a 2023 um conference schedule at all so i don't i don't really know what it's going to look like right um and how and if there's going to be some crossovers, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just just getting to different places where other people are going to see us play. I think it's going to be good for the program.
2: And hopefully, you just beat Louisiana when you get there, knock them off that pedestal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that as a fan. You don't ha- you don't have to uh, put a log on the fire on that one. Uh, so as we came on, and and I, you know, we talked this weekend at uh, Little League basketball, and as we came on, you were referencing your home life, you know. Clue the listeners in, you're a local person living in Augusta County. How does this work-life balance happen as a D1 coach at a, you know, a top 25 program?
0: Um, My rock star of a husband, um, (laughs) Josh Court, who went to Riverheads and had a successful career uh, (laughs) in the county. But honestly, um, if it wasn't for him and, and his family that are all close by and I'm from the northern neck of Virginia, so that's only about, you know, two and a half, three hours away. Um, My family comes up a lot. I don't, I don't really know if there would be a balance. I would be gone a lot and the kids would be growing up, you know, without me. Um, So it's just so nice to have our two children grow up with their grandparents and cousins um, and and aunts and uncles. And that's something that I really cherished growing up. And I know Josh did too. Um, So just thinking about taking our kids to a state where we have no one, it just, it just isn't something that we want to do. Um, and, you know, we made that commitment when we started having kids. I mean, Josh let me uh, coach right when I finished college, and he knew what the life was going to be like. You know, being an athlete, you understand it a little bit. Um, but it is not easy, and you have to have a lot of support, and it's really nice to have family support. Um, but I, I love Augusta County. Um, it's a lot like where I grew up. It's just no water. Um, so, like, I grew up on the Chesapeake Bay and Potomac River. So, um, it's a little bit different of a lifestyle. But um, with both of us going to Roanoke College, you know, that's where we met. Um, it's just such a good place to, you know, coach at a high level and also have a, such a good – you know, being a such good place to raise a family. Um, and, you know, going to Little League games and thing like that, that's, that's very important to me.
2: So, when you do get a moment in your – personal time when you can get away and this is a question we ask all, all of our guests when you, you can watch something on tv that's not you know re- recruiting videos or softball videos or something softball even what yeah. what are you watching what are you binging what what entertains you uh when you're not um you know deep in softball what what are you binge watching
0: um i mean you you know my husband very well i mean college <laughs> basketball is and nba basketball is on 24 7 and you know what like Sometimes he lets me watch his, my shows, uh, but, you know, I, I give him. <laughs> and he'll probably be like, you are lying." <laughs> but But um, I don't know. Sometimes I like reality TV and it's terrible, um, but it's somewhere you know, I can relate to the girls like The Bachelor and things like that because they all love that. Um, so that's, you know, that's um, when sometimes I'm trying to think of a show. Josh and I really don't watch. Um, a show together. We, we watch a lot of sports. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of what we like. And, and, you know, that's what we watch.
2: I just appreciate, you know, like all I'm sitting here and you're talking about Josh, like, I mean, he was the man, you know, I played three different sports with him, <laughs> him growing up and he was always the best. I mean, he's always the best at soccer, best at basketball, um, played baseball with him too. He's always so good. I, I appreciate that. Like he is not in the driver's seat of the sports, in your household. I really appreciate it. I'm glad at some point in his life that he gets to, um, you know, sit there and clap like I did for him on the bench. Uh, I am glad he could sit there and come watch you clap, watch you and clap for you at JMU. That, that makes me happy.
0: He does. He is like a supporter. I will say, um, I think he was more excited sometimes when I, you know, after all the games in Oklahoma city, I mean, he would just scream on the phone Um, it was crazy, you know, during that time, I don't know if you know this, but, um, you know, my family was supposed to come out and, uh, my eight month old got COVID. Um, so that, you know, changed some plans and, and Josh had to stay back with, with holding my son and and Harper. So that, that was tough on me. Um, I was like a wreck. Um, and, but my mom and dad and I had six friends, fly out. Um, and they were from college, some were from high school, but they, we all had played ball together. Um, so that meant a lot to me. Um, one, you probably know Jake Phillips. He uh, coaches yeah. staff all team. His wife and I are best friends. Um, He's been on the and, podcast.
2: You're, you're joining that club with him. Oh, I did
0: that. Okay. <laughs> he came out for me. Um, my sister was out there. So, um, yeah, it, it meant a lot. And it was a trip of a lifetime. Um, something that you know, I'll never forget. And, and one of the highlights of, of my life besides having my kids and Mary and Josh. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> Well, I just, I want to say coach Laporte as a former alum of JMU, I very much enjoyed watching that softball team get to the college world series and be such a positive story for the university and get a lot of positive news for JMU out there and just really represent the university. Well, I thought you and the team, uh, were, very positive. And I loved seeing that the team was I mean, the highest Google traction that the university's ever had was during that period where you guys were on your run and watching those games and beating Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, uh, was, honestly, was really great. fun. Oh yeah. really fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've never been a part of a t- team that was able to handle everything that was thrown at them. Um, you know, the, the interviews and, and the fans. I mean, that's something that we weren't used to. Um, and they just like, they never let anything get to their head, you know, and, and they had a lot of opportunities for, for their heads to get big, but they, they stayed very grounded. Um, they stayed composed. And at no point in the postseason were they intimidated, you know, in the past, there were times where they're like, Oh my gosh, coach, like we got to play UCLA. Like what? <laughs> and that never like, they, they weren't scared. And when you have a team that is all bought in, team chemistry was phenomenal. And that's hard. I mean, with 24 females, it is, it is not easy um, for them to, you know, have their opinions, have their different points of views. But at, at the end of the day, they all have each other's back. They love each other. They respect each other. Um, and that team had it. And I really think that's the reason why we were able to, to do what we did. Yes, we were talented. Good Lord. We had some great ball players, but at the end of the day, they, they stepped on the field as one. And I think that's what you have to have in a lot of situations. And if you, you know, talk to coaches that have won championships, that's probably what they'll, they'll say. It, it took a lot more than just talent. Um, and that team had a lot um, thrown at them all at one time. But I think, you know, being as veteran as they were and experienced that definitely helped and that's something we're constantly trying to, you know, talk to to this team about just being able to handle everything, handle the adversity um, because that's life, you know? Um, so I think the team's doing a good job now. When season starts, you know, there's going to be things that come up and we just got to get through it.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been through so much. I mean, I, I had that note earlier and I think you hit on most of it, but just all the adversity, you know, it's, it's not just COVID. It's not just, uh, not being able to play in a CAA tournament this year, you know, it's just all of that together, all this adversity that, you know, so many that are still on the team have been through that, yeah, you're pulling from, from, uh, you know, they've, they've been through some stuff so they know they can handle stuff. It's, that's great that you've been able to lead. I mean, when in your high or college career, did you learn how to coach through a, a pandemic? You know, when were you told how to handle that when it came up upon you, but you figured it out and, and done so well with it
0: find the positive out of the negatives. That's all you can do. Um, Cause yeah. there's always, there. and uh, that's try to, you know, that's what we try to do. And when we got the announcement that we couldn't, you know, be in the CA tournament, you know, of course I let them have a voice, let them be mad. But, you know, after a day or two, it was like, we got to move on. Um, yeah. it, it No going back. We can't sit here and be mad forever. Um, it's time to, to move on and figure it out. Um, you know, last year we, had to figure out, you know, how to play a, a season of 32 ball games, and we didn't even have a shot in at large. You know, we knew that going into the season that our RPI was not going to be high enough. Um, so, you know, that's the mindset this team had. Um, but, you know, I think right now we're we're in a good situation, and um, you know, this team needs to get their feet wet, and I'm excited to to kind of see them play next week. Um, nervous. But um, like I tell them, nerves are good. That means you really, really care. Yep. <laughs> so if you're not nervous, then I'm worried because I feel like i <laughs> for every single game. And I've been coaching for 15 years. So, um, but I think they're excited. And, you know, it's hard to practice in January. It is, I mean, we've been outside three days um, for the last three weeks. So it's been, it's been tough. We're, we're fortunate to have an indoor facility um, at Memorial that we do but man, when you're practicing for four weeks straight and half the time you're inside it, 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 it's very easy to start going through the motions and this team has not done that yet. Knock on wood, but this week we, it is calling for good temperatures, So we will be out every single day and uh, they're excited about getting some scrimmaging
2: in. Awesome. Well, great. Uh, (laughs) Good luck as the season begins and uh, we'll be watching. And uh, I know a lot more people will be watching this season and, uh, you know, not just waiting until Oklahoma to to catch up on you. So that it'll be fun and uh, good luck the whole way.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me.
1: So I do want to thank coach Laporte again for coming on and talking to us. It's always great to have uh, JMU and a college coach, especially, but especially one that is, local and is obviously making such a huge impact uh, in the community and representing the community very well.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it was so awesome. I was so pumped when, uh, you know, we got it lined up that it was going to be able to happen. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to do that interview right last year, right after everything happened because she was doing a million interviews then. Uh, So I wanted some more life to happen before then. And I think it was interesting to hear right there, like she just said about the fall practice and how recruiting has been affected. And so I just, I find that really interesting um you know what success breeds you know we everybody's striving for that success and all these sports that we cover um and and we, we talk more in depth on the on the high school level but um you know just you know once you get to that that goal like then then what and then how do you maintain and and you know that's what she's done a great job of building that program and it, it didn't you know it, it peaked a little bit last spring but i mean they've been in the college world series uh you know the tournament the ncaa tournament before that knocking on the door hosting games hosting lsu up here so it was just it's it's cool to see that process and then also talk to her at this point where you know she's already moving on to the next uh season i just it's so interesting where, what they're gonna do so hopefully we can have her on again sometime i i, I bet we can and uh and kind of keep tabs on on how she's doing and and some of that that family life uh balance <laughs> yeah <laughs> she, Tox is in a balance. <laughs> I'm sure it is. She was cheering hard for a kid. I got, I talked to her uh, Saturday at her little, at her son's little league game. And uh, as soon as she kind of made that reference of how many games she could actually see, which was not many, I was like, let me get away from you and let you enjoy this. So uh, I was, I'm glad she was able to do that. And I'm glad though, that she'll be coaching softball and, and enjoying that so much.
1: So. Yeah, for sure. And um, let's talk about other people who maybe don't have a lot of balance uh, when it comes to their training <laughs> schedules and that's the Olympians right now. Cause that's the other big thing going on this week is winter Olympics. And uh, I don't know how much you've been able to watch. I've been able to watch some, um, I've, obvi- I've gotten to watch some short track, which is, as I alluded to last week, what I look forward to the most, our mixed relay team got DQ'd on what I thought was something that didn't really impact that particular race, but whatever. Um, so there was no medal there for us. Cause that was in a semifinal. And then, as as was short track between the women's 500 and the men's 1,000. That was, I guess, our wee morning hours uh, this morning that I watched on a replay on Peacock. It's just chaos. Every, every single race, there was yeah. a collision, it felt like, and the judges were having to get involved. And they were just like, oh, man, the judges are earning their money today. And I'm like, this is every short track Olympics that I watch. Like, <laughs> this... You just have to have somebody there. And I will say, like, for me, China got the benefit of, like, every single ruling, which I was like, man, that's kind of weird. Uh, But, yeah. (laughs) So Donahue doing the short track? uh, Uh, You know, you wondered because you were like, man. (laughs) Like, there was one that, like, it was a South Korean won the race, and they penalized him. And the Chinese uh, short track racers were in third and fourth, I think. And they end up penalizing the South Korean for blocking a Chinese skater. And I was like, I don't know. I felt like the South Korean was kind of in position there. Like, I don't think that was necessarily a block. But uh, South Korea was not happy. And um, China, the, the fans that were there were very happy. And China got the benefit of that. And I think one of the finals was three Chinese skaters and two Hungarian skaters it looked like the Hungarian skater had won the gold, but he got DQ'd and his was, they were coming down the last stretch and he stuck at his arm and hit the Chinese skater that was trying to pass him. And as soon as that happened, I was like, you know, I was like, Oh, he's won gold. And I was like, why do you even do that? He didn't win. Like <laughs> that's going to get overturned. And sure enough, you know, the judge goes to the, to the camera or the screen and then comes back and he's penalized and loses his gold medal and. Goes to did the they, they, I've
2: actually missed a lot. Is do they make a big show of going over to the camera like they do in American sports? Oh, he's the on replay? the ice. Do they make a big yeah. like, Oh, I'm over here. Gotta look at
1: this. He's on the ice and he's watching the screen and then he like yeah. ca- like carefully walks on the ice over to the announcer to read the results.
2: Yeah. So a little teddy, TV teddy time for those guys.
1: Yeah. I mean, he doesn't sit there and like <laughs> point, make an emphatic point and go, you out. Like, doesn't do something like that. But. Yeah, I mean the cameras on him—you can see him looking at the tape and stuff—and and of course NBC yeah. has done a good job of showing the replays on those. But yeah, well, it's... that's all they got
2: is the video. They don't have any video over there. Calling them—they're oh, all fair. watching video mm-hmm. from here, so they gotta—they gotta have a
1: good view. But
2: watch from some of that. Def-
1: I've watched some Go of ahead. curling. Uh, where i yeah. was right our curling team sucks i was right you tried to correct me but no, i was right the
2: mix the mixed team has done poor That's they're not the terrible one gold last time they, well, they, they have not done well but our, our gold medal you know defenders are coming here we, we got we got more coming
1: can't wait for them to choke too um two
2: weeks of curling why do you say that
1: and luge, yeah. luge. All, the Olympics,
2: all we're supposed to do is cheer for the same team and you know you still can't do that <laughs>
1: Uh, luge has You're been like, exciting to watch. Coach Flinte had something
2: to do with his curling team, so yeah. Like they're, I, they're honestly, I anything. wouldn't
1: be surprised if Cornelison <laughs> was involved in the offensive strategy for the mixed team. But um, the uh, the luge is fun, even though like that is a sport we are generally not good at, and we have no chance of meddling. I mean, it's you yeah. look at the medal stand there; it's like, oh, okay, it's Austrians, Germans, and you know, maybe oh yeah, somebody Lots else from one of those Eastern <laughs> Scandinavian countries sneaks in, but. Like, that's the cool part about the Winter Olympics is uh, watching. And then I will say, I obviously, first and foremost, I'm rooting for the Americans. But if there is a yeah. country that just, I know, like, that's maybe their one chance at a medal, I will catch myself being like, oh, yeah. come on. Like, one of the short tracks was Kazakhstan. One of the, <laughs> like, they had a skater it in there, and I was like, come on, Kazakhstan. And <laughs> they didn't make it. And I was like, ah, crap. But
2: I, I do. I, and NBC does a good job. And they they know what they're doing. They've done this for decades of, like, that quick little story right before the race that like gives you someone to root for even though like the Americans are maybe are involved but they're not going to win so like then you you know there's someone in the top three and there's a good little story that you can you can connect they do a good job of that and they slip them right in perfectly so especially on the tape delay ones that you know the timing always works out perfectly which is nice um, from your you know short track speed skating death race to a downhill death race that I talked about last week, the snowboard cross is what it's called last week. I didn't have the technical name that you need to be looking out for, but snowboard cross uh, the men and women go this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, It happens in middle of the night, I think, and then it'll get replayed during the day. But uh, you know, at some point, if you see that on your guide, go to that, that snowboard cross is so entertaining. Even the early rounds of it, watch it because it's just people snowboarding down a hill with little hills, little jumps, big turns, and just race to the bottom and people get flattened during this process. Uh, multiple times, you know, multiple people. And uh, I mean, so many times I watch it, it's just last, last person standing. Mm-hmm. So be on the watch out for that. That, that like your short track speed skating is, is something to watch just for the, the chaos factor.
1: And I will say, if you have the Peacock app, like the thing to do is go on there. Go to Olympics. It's its, its own little section on the Peacock app now. And you can get those sports. They'll put the replays up same day as they're live. So that's, that's honestly like I'll look and see what's live to watch it. Uh, but if it's not an event that I'm like really dying to see, I'll go to the on demand and see if those sports that I really do like have done their events yet. And I'll probably do that with snowboard cross. I'll probably be looking and going to watch the on demand qualifying races. And then the finals for those, for that event. Um, but that's, I love that. The alpine skiing is one I forgot about. I love watching that. The giant slalom and and all that is fun to watch. I don't – I the moguls are okay, but my problem with moguls is the same problem I have with, like, the figure skating and most of the other snowboarding events. It's judged, and I'm just like, I don't – it's hard. I, I've watched the figure skating events, but it's hard for me to not be like – Human, I don't like human judgment being in it. I like just knowing, okay, this time was the fastest or that score was the best in terms of, yeah. like, it's just set and defined, not like, oh, well, we thought that was the best. Because I watched the Russian skaters fall in figure skating and somehow they ended up with a pretty high score.
2: And yeah, that was like weird. The first I, I night, saw a highlight of
1: that. Yeah, I and know. the first night of figure skating, and I was like, that's horse crap. And I will say, <laughs> that's the one... I will never root for an athlete if it has ROC. No chance. Am I rooting for anyone that's in part of the Russian Olympic I, committee?
2: So like when there's the sports that like, there hadn't been a whole lot of cheating associated with it. Like I, I, I mind less. I'm not, oh, saying I don't, mind anything, I don't but care. I mind less. They're all the same. But they're like all the, doping. the ones that like the athletes that have the, the controversy surrounding them and they're still involved. And it's in the sports that it's all through the sport of the cheating the doping and everything like that's what i like who's who's being punished here like i don't even understand no one's being punished like even the athletes that are surrounded with the problems are not being punished and like you're just you still have this culture of cheating and they just do it under i guess no flag or a different roc meaning I, yeah that irritates me it's it's seems like a weak aspect of punishment but
1: hmm. i agree
2: so, in the middle of all this Olympics, we're going to get this football game that a lot of people watch. Uh, we get the Super Bowl this week. And last week, we talked about the teams winning their games to get it, but we didn't really break down who we thought would win it or our view of this game. So, I, my rooting interest, and it's weird for me to say this out loud as a Steelers fan, but I think my rooting interest is with Cincinnati just because. I, it just seems like they're on this run and you can't stop them. And I, I don't hate Joe Burrow as much as I will, as much as I should. I'm not there yet. Nothing from L.A. is pulling me in. Nothing is making me like them more. I mean, Stafford having all that time in Detroit, that's about the only positive for me and, and the Rams. So I think I'm just riding the, you know, the underdog of Cincinnati and but this will be the last time I ever say that because I think they're on a stretch where they're going to be good for a while and they're in my division with Steelers but I think I am I think I am rooting Cincinnati on this one
1: I'm rooting for the Rams because it's Cincinnati Um, I don't know a lot of people that are fans of either of these teams so that doesn't come that doesn't play a role in my rooting interest Um, I said last week and I was honest I don't like Joe Burrow Um, I already don't like Joe Burrow I don't like the Cincinnati Bengals, because they're in the division. So let's go Rams. Uh, that being said, I have thought the Bengals were going to lose each playoff game they were in, and they yeah, won. Yeah, I think that so, that
2: kind of point is where I'm at.
1: But that doesn't mean I'm rooting for them. Like, to me, it just okay. means it's Cinderella. And even though in college football, I root for Cinderella, because Cinderella doesn't get a chance to be there uh, and prove that they belong. okay um, like how you
2: cut, you cut off your contradictory... Before I can get to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: but see, Cincinnati's <laughs> allowed. It's not like we looked at them and said, you yeah, know, the Bengals won the AFC North. It was a bad division this year, so they don't get to go. Uh, so they they get to participate. Um,
2: so have you made any investments on the Rams?
1: No. My investments I've are used... actually to have the Bengals cover the four or four and a half point spread.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess I have the same as you then. So investment wise, we're similar. Uh, But I'm also writing those free uh, investments, not the right word. I'm using what they give me. And uh, because of my gambling mind, I feel like whatever money I could win on that money is what I've invested. You know, that, that, you know, amount of money is mine in my mind already. Uh, It's only for me to lose. There's some risk
1: reinvestment opportunities too.
2: Yeah, well and then I'll watch for those throughout the week. I know on one of our investment sites, like every day they're gonna have like a kind of a special thing. And Cooper and they Cup pull to you in with those. today. They pull you in with those things. Cooper and Cup will probably score a it. touchdown. I,
1: I took that one. Um,
2: all right. Well, and, and you got good play for the Super Bowl, you're gonna watch it with some friends?
1: Yep. Uh, the friend in Maryland is hosting this year, so we'll go up to Maryland and uh, there's a caps game that day, so I'll be watching the caps, probably with an investment on the game um beforehand nice. but all investments will have to be placed before we go to the caps game because at that we... point uh i guess when we get back on the metro we're taking the metro in and when we take the metro back out i guess i'll have like a brief moment in time where i could place some last minute investments but maryland is not legal so
2: okay well we watch it at my parents house so i'll be doing that that's been that way for over a decade now has been consistent there. Um, I think the Steelers winning over Arizona was the last time I didn't watch the Super Bowl at my parents' house, so maybe I should not watch it there because Steelers haven't won a Super Bowl since then. Um, we've had times where we've had a bigger crowd there. We've had the smaller crowd these last couple of years, and I think we're still with the smaller crowd, so uh, just our, our usual circle of weekend people will be there but yeah it'll it'll be good there's always good food and no matter how big the crowd or how small. There's still a whole bunch of good food to eat. So we'll be good. Yeah, I'm I'm
1: looking forward to the food. I was in touch with this friend uh yesterday. So talked about food, talked about drinks, uh, and uh basically a layout of the menu. I'm excited for it. So I think yeah. it'll be good.
2: Good. You're ready for those commercials then?
1: That's good. They're gonna be bad.
2: They're gonna always be bad.
1: I'm not even this I year I have pledged. This year I'm not like in the in years past, I've been like, oh man. I kind of gotta go to the bathroom. I guess I'll wait till the game's back though, because I don't want to miss a commercial. I'm going to go during the commercials. They're terrible. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not waiting to see the commercials this year. I've already made that decision. I, I've been disappointed like three or four years in a row.
2: My uh, my favorite meme related to Super Bowl this weekend, it's it's come out a bunch of different ways. But like all these all these kids are gonna finally figure out who their parents really are during this halftime show, and uh, my kids won't because my I already play. Whatever music I want to in front of my kids, some of it edited. But you know, my kids have heard uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre in the 2001 album. Uh, I don't know how much Eminem I've really played in front of them, but I've I've had my time with Eminem, so they're not going to be surprised with that. But that's my that's my favorite meme, where like you know these these young you know maybe not kids kids, but you know middle and high school age kids, they're gonna they're gonna find out about their parents. And yeah, I'm looking. Kendrick Lamar is is still
1: pretty recent. He's in it too.
2: Well, sure, but like the excitement about this halftime show is, is, is Eminem and, and uh, Dr. Dre and, and Snoop. So that'll be fun. And I I am looking forward to that halftime show more than I have in any one I can remember recently. I mean, for personal, I like this music, not, Oh yeah. The kids like to listen to Katy Perry or Bruno Mars. Like I, I'm interested to see what these, the show these guys put on.
1: I will say like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg made sense to me. Cause I think they they have LA ties. So that made sense to me eminem did not make sense to me isn't he from eminem is with
2: eminem is tight with them so that makes sense to me i mean okay i mean he he has like multiple songs with all of with all like they all have multiple songs together so you can get them all on the stage at one time easily without putting them into a different song the hits man they're gonna play the hits no deep tracks on this
1: i did see and it's not um not a prop bet, but on one of the apps for free, actually, it gives you like a Super Bowl bingo card, and one of them is for California Love to be one of the songs that gets played during the uh, halftime show, I suppose.
2: I mean, it's going to open up with California Love, isn't
1: it? Well, that's on the bingo card, <laughs> like that's the thing. So I was saying, I hope I hope it does, but <laughs> I know during the commercial, it's one of the things they play.
2: Yeah. Um, so what else we got? I mean, I was watching high school basketball a good bit this past week. Last Tuesday and this Monday, we had the Buffalo Gap-Wilson showdowns in basketball, where Wilson took both of them. So Wilson's kind of established themselves as the top dog. Gap not far behind. I know uh, this week's game was stayed, you know, closer the whole way. Last week, Wilson kind of ran away and Gap had to come back a bit to make the numbers seem a little less, but it it was a wide open game. This week, you know, it, it kind of was a six-point game a lot down the stretch there. Uh, I forget what they won by tonight. I didn't write it down. But, you know, they won within 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wilson just kind of had it at the end. And and that's not surprising. We thought coming into the season, Wilson was probably probably that top team to, that everybody can agreed on could be a top team. And here they are sitting on top. Um, but it's still, Buffalo Gap's just right there behind them. And then there's a gap. The reason you have any question in your mind is that, between these two games, Wilson goes out and loses to Fort Defiance who had been on like a five game losing streak. So I, we just keep reinforcing the point. And I think we predicted this too. This district, anybody can beat anybody on any given night. I mean, you have, you know, Riverhead that beats Stanton and Stanton's beat some good team, you know, like every, there's the <laughs> transitive property has everybody in first place. So it's, it's fun for that fact, but, I do think it reminds us that I just don't see any of our teams going into March, you know, like not deep into February and not into March.
1: I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I think like you said, uh, when you sent me that score of the Wilson four game, I was just kind of surprised because they had beaten gap kind of decidedly there in the first matchup. And then the second one tonight, they also win. And I was like, and so you tell me that, and I'm like, okay, Wilson's got this in the back, But like you said, then they lose that surprising game to Fort. But Fort's been on a roll, and this is actually a big week for Fort if they can continue it because they're, all, they're in the middle of a four-game win streak right now. Waynesboro, Stanton, but the big one for them is Gap. And if they yeah. beat
2: Gap, then all of a sudden second place
1: is in, in view for them.
2: That's true. They do only have the three district losses. So yeah, they they could come around and because they yeah their toughest game left is one versus Gap, and then they're playing a bunch of teams that you would think they have a good everybody below them in the in the standing. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. I hadn't looked at that aspect of that. Um, I you know that five game losing streak was just so disappointing. You, you think if they win one or two of those games in that stretch, you then you're sitting here right now and it's obvious. You know it wouldn't have to be look at it and you'd be jumping off the page You'd be talking about those three teams being right. at the top. But um yeah, it, you know, they, they have potential here. They've, they've won those couple straight four in a row and then uh yeah, they can win four of the last five. Their issue is they have five games left. I mean, they have right. Waynesboro Stanton gap draft Stanton. I mean, that, that's a lot of games in a week and a half. I mean, in eight, eight days they're going to play all those. So that's going to be a, a tough stretch to close the season, but Hey, that kind of gets you ready for tournament play and region play where you got to play on back to backs or only one day apart. So, um, yeah. And then they, they finished on top of this district last year. So a lot of their guys know what it takes. So that, that's interesting.
1: On the girls side, Fort defiance has separated themselves officially. I mean, there's seven and zero in the district, the next closest teams are Wilson at six and three and Stanton at four and three. So that gap is now pretty well established between them. And it,
2: Ford Defiance has a whole,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, they've lost three, losing to Harrisonburg, but their other two losses to TA—they no, beat
2: Wilson twice. I mean, they, they I mean, that's the next team, and they beat them twice. Right? Oh, correct. Yeah. But
1: their two losses are to TA. That would be a concern if you're Ford. Yeah, it's a um, class three C team. Yep, that would be a concern. Your, their other loss though was a very close game against a class five team in Harrisonburg. But um, yeah, Ford Defiance looks to be playing pretty well, and. Obviously, you'd love to see them be able to beat Turner Ashby in, in a region tournament to get a favorable look at a state tournament if they can get there, but th- their work's cut out for them in 3C. We've talked about this with a lot of the schools. I have the a hope the for sports. them. I do.
2: I do have the hope for them I, because of the system. Look, we just
1: said we thought the boys probably didn't have a deep run out of the group. Right. I'd say four girls probably that best shot. Yeah, four girls are, are one of the, you
2: know, looking at the 1B teams just because Riverhead seems to get deeper every year, you know, deep every year in the in the one B. And and I think Buffalo Gaps solid team down in one B. So that that's there. I you know, Wilson and Stanton are the other three C teams. I'm not giving them a better hope than Fort Defiance that we're teetering with. So I, I agree, but I if we're gonna have one team playing in March, I, I think it's coming from the girls side because I just I do think those better teams are, are better in and, and in the in the state standing of, of where teams are sitting. So Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to finance, and I'm I'm hoping coach Gale in his first year there, um, his alma mater. I, I, you know, that would be a really cool story for him to just kind of swoop in there and, and do the most with the talent that he has on that team. So I'm, I'm excited for that. They got a bunch of games left in this season, just like the boys do. So, um, you know, how they finish up is going to matter and how they roll into that region tournament.
1: I agree.
2: Uh, Wrestling. That's the other thing I paid a lot of attention to this weekend when you had the, all the regions, I believe did. I, you know what? I didn't check much on class two, but class one and, uh, region one B and region three C they had their tournaments. Riverheads continues to be on their dominating role of the region and contender for state. Um, the reason the word contender is because Grundy, um, is there, uh, but they they're taking all 14 of their wrestlers to state and, uh, they're going to have their chance. You know, they've their. They've set themselves up for their opportunity. They won six straight regions. They've taken all these guys to state. They had 10 different guys win their region individually. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and list off all the names, but 10 guys did it. You know, a couple of named cash. You know, it's, it's, it's good to see. A lot of these guys are winning their, you know, multiple region titles, so that's awesome to see. They win that region by a whole bunch. They won 310, and the next best team was 166. Next best team was Buffalo Gap, so that's great. The top two teams in the region from Augusta County. Uh, but just Riverheads is absolutely dominating this region, you know, and kind of getting stronger each year in this region. And I thought having Buffalo Gap be in that region with them this year might have an impact there. It, it, it just let Gap be second is what, is what it did, and they kind of plugged themselves in. So excited for Riverheads with that. Um, Buffalo Gap is um, that – Second team, they're going to be taking a good amount of guys to state. I didn't count how many this was, but a, a good number here um, of their guys. It looks close to 10 there. So they'll be well, well represented, and we're going to get a lot of guys from Gap and Riverheads, you know, in the top five, if not the top three in wrestling. Riverheads will probably come home with a couple state champions. Um, maybe Gap can get one in there. But the problem is Grundy for both these teams. Grundy is that, you know, they won like 26 state championships in wrestling. It's just an amazing number. So uh, that's what's in the way for, for those teams.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the impressive part when you're talking about just the sheer domination Riverheads has had in one B and it's not that this is a bad team, but their problem at that state level is going to be the usual suspects at that state. Yeah. tournament. And, and it's, it's not saying Riverheads can't ever win. Um, they've
2: they've created themselves the opportunity here like they have their shot they have they've got got a lot of wrestlers
1: they're gonna have a lot of opportunity for points but they got to beat them and and those schools down there i mean we talk about riverheads being a school that dominates class one in football grundy and and those kind of schools dominate wrestling
2: it's like the most dominant program of any sport of any classification of anything like i mean that is just the, the pinnacle of high school sports domination uh in class three C Wilson uh co-champ with LCA, which I didn't see coming, but I did think Wilson had a chance to win. I just did the word co I didn't expect. Uh so good for Wilson there. They'll take uh some wrestlers to states. Uh again, I didn't I didn't count all these guys, but they had one, two, three guys finish first, and then they have you know another five guys that are headed to states. So that's great for Wilson uh fort defiance also had a nice show in there they're going to have six headed to states uh two of their guys won region titles and then wilson or well, excuse me waynesboro sending three guys to state so really well represented in class one class three and and that's not shocking we have good wrestling in this area um it's hard to find the information before these region tournaments when it gets posted on that website uh but it's exciting and for all those that are into wrestling you don't have to drive very far to see some good wrestling so uh, they will all wrestle in Salem uh, like in two weeks on Friday and Saturday that week on the 18th and 19th. So we got a, another week before that happens, um, but uh, excited for that. And that tournament's always, you know, one of those those good couple days in VHSL is to go to one of those wrestling tournaments and just get all day action for two days. So uh, excited to see the results coming out of there as a Homer, as a Riverhead's Homer. I'm I'm excited about them having their opportunity to, Take their shot against the best. They're not going to do it shorthanded. They're going to have every chance in the world to do it. If they can't do it, at least they'll have had a full chance to do it. All right, so then let's move on to the NCAA basketball Virginia say, Tech. Just finally, when we
1: leave them for dead, they come finally on with four that straight. Streak we've
2: been waiting for They've won four <laughs> straight, including Monday night. They've won back-to-back games against Pitt. They got a winnable Syracuse opponent ahead of them. But then next Monday on Valentine's Day, before we record again, they'll have played UVA. uh, UVA beating, or uh, yeah, UVA beating Duke on Monday night. Uh, So UVA doing well, beating Miami, beating Duke. They're on a little bit of streak of their own. They have Georgia Tech this weekend. So we could have two streaky teams facing off uh, in a Commonwealth clash there next Monday. And, you know, Virginia Tech doesn't surprise me because I said on this podcast, I thought there's some winnable games coming up and we weren't getting blown out in a bunch of games by any means. We were in a lot of games, even some games up and then giving it away at the end. Uh, so I'm glad we've been able to put wins together. Um, again, my goal was just not to play on the first day of the ACC tournament. UVA doesn't surprise me either because we said that even when they were losing was, hey, they're going to get it right sometime and, and they have it pretty right. And beating Duke is a good indicator of that. Do I think they have a national championship team? No, I do not. I don't think they're going to win the ACC, but they're putting themselves back in the mix where, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks I might say different. And, and that's because they're well coached by Tony Bennett.
1: Oh, you're in a couple of weeks, you might be saying they could get go deep in the tournament. I'm
2: probably like, I'd have to say I, don't like, to like I don't know if they're going to the tournament. I don't know
1: if they're going to the tournament. Even so beating a- Duke, beating Miami, I don't know if they're going to the tournament
2: right yeah, now. Oh, okay, I guess I might have misphrased that. I mean, uh, ace, like compete for the ACC. I, I think I said national, didn't I? Yeah, I'm thinking ACC. I meant ACC. I didn't. I didn't. If I said national, that's that's where you're jumping to, and that, yeah, if you're thinking I said something crazy, I must have said the word national. No, ACC championship. Like maybe in a couple weeks, if they keep on winning like maybe i'll give them a better chance to win this acc championship because it started off rough but you know beating miami and duke at back-to-back games that's a big that's deal that's the kind of thing you need to do in an acc tournament and mm-hmm. they all they've done that so I, I believe in it that's a big
1: deal and, yeah. and they are playing better and virginia tech's playing better and it sets up you know a loveless valentine's day for those two schools and and that's fine um but I, i'll say this um I had kind of given up on UVA turning it around, though. I, like, when when they lost to JMU, I was like, uh, they'll probably figure it's it out. Early, yeah. And then the early ACC schedule kind of went the way it did. I was like, eh, maybe they won't. Maybe this team is just not very good. And I saw what was happening around the ACC, too, and I was like, maybe this just isn't a very good conference. And now UVA's turned it around. Virginia Tech is starting to turn it around, which is good. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, Virginia Tech definitely still has a lot. I'd say Virginia Tech has a lot more ground to make up than UVA in in terms of that. Uh, And Monday will be a big test for that. I don't think, I don't think either team's going to the tournament unless they win the conference tournament. So, I mean, when you look at these bracketology predictions, they're talking four, maybe five from the ACC.
2: They still gets another, they still play Miami and Duke again too. Like,
1: yeah, I guess I don't know if I like them to sweep Miami and Duke is what I'm saying.
2: They've already won at Duke. Okay. I, UVA is closer to it and st- have stayed closer to that ability than we have. So I give them a, the better, I don't chance, think that's saying
1: anything. Okay.
2: If they go on this run, the rest of the regular season, that's if
1: they win out. Yeah, I guess, but I don't think they're winning out. What's the longest win streak in the ACC this year?
2: I, You're asking yeah, I UVA to have
1: it at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to happen.
2: No, this is not very good. (laughs) That's my point. I don't
1: think anyone in this conference is super dominant. And I think if you're that far into the middle of the pack, you're going to have to win the conference tournament to get into the tournament because you haven't been good. Yeah. Really outside of VCU men, there is no men's team that I think is going to the tournament. And VCU's men have to do good in the A-10 tournament for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, the other basketball to talk about, your your VCU women, they've had a good run here. We're they, having a lot of good little runs here from Virginia teams.
1: Yes, that is the good news is the Virginia teams are on a run. VCU's women are now won three straight. They won at their rival Richmond on Wednesday. Then they went up to Philadelphia, beat LaSalle, and both of those helped them climb up the A-10 standings. They beat George Washington on Sunday, so now they sit at fourth currently. Their big contest is going to be against the leaders of the A-10 right now in Dayton. That's a big game on Sunday on national TV at noon uh, on ESPNU. So a huge, huge game for them. Hopefully they can find a way to win. Uh, And if they do, that's fantastic. It keeps that momentum train rolling for VCU. If not, the rest of their schedule, it just comes down to you you need to win – the majority of those games because you want to be fourth in the A-10 tournament going in there because that's where you get that first day by and you don't have to play uh, a whole, the whole slate and all the way through. So you'd like to have a day off uh, to rest up and maybe scout your opponent.
2: Awesome. I like, I like home games better for VCU. I like the announcer better. Uh, Do you watch any of that uh, NASCAR playing in a football stadium?
1: No, I didn't watch the i-81 circle race
2: or whatever it's like a go-kart track that they built in there and put these big big cars on it just i i I guess i saw some people on twitter talking about how they liked it i i didn't as a not a huge nascar fan but the guy that'll tune in i'll tune in for daytona i just it just the speed wasn't there and it just looked like a jumbled mess in four corners (laughs) so it just I don't know. It didn't keep my interest. I, I was on it. I know there was an exciting finish. I, I wasn't there for it. I, I was on it and I left. So I was gonna say, and- the people
1: who were like, oh, this is so cool, is like nostalgia. Like it's just, or not nostalgia, but like the newness of it. They're like, oh, it's yeah. at the LA Coliseum, the history love- and all that. And I'm like, okay, but it sucks. Like it's not an That's exciting thing. That's the only thing, thing that drew
2: me in was to see how it looked. And then I was done.
1: Yeah. And it's not good enough.
2: Cars and that's you know it, it, when the movie Cars it it's, it mirrors that stadium it makes it look like it's that stadium it's a lot longer track the way that animation goes but it's that kind of stadium that they're in and it's in California like that's the deal and it's a and, small uh, it it's a small way more track yeah it's a small <laughs> track and way too small look
1: when I when I've been at races at Martinsville yeah I am enjoying it but. If I'm watching it on TV, I'm bored out of my mind because the cars aren't racing
2: that fast. I've so watched more at Martinsville and Bristol than I watched Bristol's Bristang, different. So.
1: Bristol, they there is a lot of contact and it's big enough banking to where the cars can kind of at least side by maintain side maintain some good speed. It yeah, maintain speed because of the banking. Here it's flat. I mean that track was flat. At least that's how it came off, and
2: it, it wasn't enough flat, but it was a lot, it, it was less banking in there. And they had to slow way down on the, on the turns. Like you're, you know, speed up as fast as you can and then break yeah. down real fast and get back on the gas. I as just you could like, not for me,
1: it, Daytona, yeah, but, Daytona, you're roaring all the way through it's restrictor plates. It's a lot more fun to watch.
2: I like Daytona and Talladega because it's fast and you're watching the drafting plates. and then you can come right back to it and you're good. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I like. That's yeah. what I want from my NASCAR. A nap <laughs> um all right so you watched some nhl skills competition in pro bowl or you have opinions on those things i have
1: opinions i uh i do not watch the pro bowl um the nhl skills competition is fun they brought back something that i could do without in the future um they hadn't had it for the past few years and i think they called it the breakaway challenge which is their version of the slam dunk contest i don't need it it was dumb the whole time and if you were thinking like wow the slam dunk contest has gotten kind of stale and kind of boring like okay now imagine people trying to do it on ice skates it's terrible um there i think there was one during the whole competition that i was like okay that was cool like what the guy was able to do with his stick i was like all right that was cool the first guy just put on an Ovechkin jersey and skated and shot it. And I was like, sweet.
2: Um, the- Ovechkin Gordy Howell? Or-
1: well, it was because Ovechkin <laughs> tested positive for COVID. And so he couldn't be there. So he threw on an Ovechkin jersey to honor him and then shot a puck in. And I was like, all right, cool, dude. And <laughs> I mean, like when he did it, I was like, zero. <laughs> I mean, and of course, everyone like, oh, he's got an eight. we We're all giving him eights. It was so dumb. Even some of the celebrities, like John Hamm was one of the celebrities. Most of the celebrities I had heard of, they had some poor man's Jeff Dunham on there. And honestly, like when it, when they popped up, I saw the, ventri- like, the ventriloquist dummy. And I was like, oh, it must be Jeff Dunham. And from the side, it kind of looked like him. But then when they did the straight on shot, I was like, oh, that's not Jeff Dunham. I don't know who that mm-hmm. is, but it's not Jeff Dunham. And they said his name multiple times, and I've already forgotten it. So, obviously... Uh, he didn't do his act either, thank goodness. I'm sure he's not any good C- at it. C- celebrity. Oh, he's probably terrible. But anyway, it was just dumb. I didn't need it. And then, um, but the rest of them, like the accuracy challenge, which is they have the four corners of the goal. There's targets, and you're, try- you, you're trying to hit all four and see who can do it the quickest. Well, Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes, four for four. Did it super fast. I think it was just over 10 seconds that he managed to accomplish that in. Phenomenal. Uh, You have the fastest skater challenge, which is fun to watch. You have, uh, let's see, what else did they do? Oh, the hardest shot is fun. That's always a good one. They did a save streak for the goalies. And the other one they did this year that was kind of cool, but I probably don't need it, was blackjack. So it was like the accuracy challenge. They had a bunch of cards. And the hockey players yeah. were trying to hit 21. Um, and then when they did, it was like, keep hitting the highest card until we have one winner. Um, but that was fine. But it just got me thinking, like, the NHL skills competition. And apparently the NFL still does their skills competition. I j- it's yeah, just I not, watched some of that. I got,
2: yeah, I got some comments. I didn't
1: that. know that it was happening. ESPN did not spend any time promoting that. Um, they wanted to boast about the Pro Bowl. Here's an idea. Don't have the Pro Bowl. Just have the skills competition. Have it be the QB yeah, skills. I'm fine with that. Have I'm it be the QB that. skills. And then come up with some other stuff for the other positions. Uh, and then dodgeball is fine. But yeah, I watched the dodgeball
2: this year. And, like, it's not must-watch TV. None of this would be like, oh, I got to be home to watch the NFL skills competition. But, like, once a year for that stuff to happen. and you, I'm more interested
1: yeah. in that than the Pro
2: Bowl. Uh, it, absolutely. I, I watched two plays of the pro bowl because I, I dropped the remote, uh, the skills I wrapped up with one of the competitions and I was like, Oh, they're playing dodgeball next. I'll sit here for a minute. And they're, you know, laughing at each other, making jokes. And honestly, I've watched some of the dodgeball that they show on like the Ocho at times and stuff where like people train to play dodgeball. And like, I never get into it. Cause it's like, it always just comes down to the same scenario. It's kind of what curling reminds me of. It just kind of comes down to the same scenarios over and over um that's why curling's good every four years um i like the dodgeball with really incredible athletes that don't you know aren't buying into the strategy of it all and and playing the game like you know it's kind of like just go play it and it's fun to watch because it was there but like if they took it away from me i wouldn't complain either the pro bowl i would be happier if they took it away like I I think it's embarrassing to watch these guys two hand touch each other. I think it's embarrassing to just let these quarterbacks throw it wherever they want. It's like if that's what we're going to get, just stop doing it. The sad thing is, though, people keep tuning in. The network, the the network, and NFL was like their response is, "You're crazy if you think we're not going to do this." People watch it. I don't know why people are watching it. If anything, we've learned this last week. You can control a lot if you just choose what you want to watch or not if you don't want it to exist if you and other people make a lot of decisions not to watch or download and listen to something it'll stop existing so i just people if you don't like what the pro bowl is giving you stop watching it stop turning it over there i'll, I'll do my part make sure i don't get on there for two plays just in case that clicked something i just like i would be happier if they didn't have that embarrassing thing of a pro Bowl.
1: i would say i haven't watched the pro bowl in I don't. Honestly, I couldn't tell you the last time I did watch the Pro Bowl. I don't remember. It's been that long. I just have not. Even as a kid, I didn't watch it. Even
2: when like Sean Taylor was was, busting heads out there, I wasn't watching it then either. It's just not uh, a
1: cool product for me. And no. no. And you're right. Stop watching. Stop talking about it. If you stop watching and stop talking about something, and it doesn't drive traffic, and doesn't like get publicity, people will take whatever it is that you don't like off. And talk less Pro Bowl. yeah. Talk, talk less, podcasts, whatever I'll you're in the
2: YAC sports podcast. Yeah, and me-
1: exactly. <laughs> Just listen to somebody talk about something. He said the only thing worse than bad publicity is no publicity. So stop right. giving it publicity. Stop talking about it. Just don't fricking watch it or listen to it or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I agree. And um, with the Pro Bowl and like MLB could do the same thing if they figure out the lockout, uh, which maybe oh, will never yes. happen at the rate they're I didn't even want to
2: talk about it this week but, it seems like it's so far like we're going to be talking about the lockout in May so why They could have done
1: they could have done they could do the same thing and you know my buddies I got them to watch the skills competition with me um, and we watched that. and I was like MLB could do you know like an outfield thing like have a trash can at home plate and throw it in the trash can. Who gets the most balls out of five in the trash can? Each year would
2: come out of retirement for that thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you could do stuff other than just the home run derby being my point. And yeah. Major League Baseball, I don't know. Somebody would be like, well, I mean, come on. That's not what we're about. That's, that's about showmanship and fun. Baseball's about, you know, being a curmudgeon and hating happy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think baseball has an opportunity, like, who does have an opening where they could come up with a couple different competitions and get just some guys involved, and, and it be Of
1: course, then you have the thing of, like, baseball players, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm like, oh, I hate to grow the game. Um, <laughs> but brings me to what I know that you need to know, other than baseball just trying to kill itself, is I watched the new show on Netflix, Murderville, uh, and it's like an Uh, improv comedy show with Will Arnett and then he brings on a guest. And the guests don't have the script. Uh, They don't know what's happening. It's just constant improv all the time. And so uh, some of them are like Conan O'Brien or Marshawn Lynch or Ken Jeong. I mean, those are the three of the six that came to mind first. But um it's just okay. Like I I wanted to like the Kinjong episode, but Kinjong just couldn't keep it together. Like he just kept laughing the entire time. And like the first few times I was like, "Oh, yeah, it was funny." And then he, like, keeps laughing at parts where I'm like,
2: that wasn't that funny.
1: Like, maybe just get through the GDC. Like, I haven't
2: watched it yet. Was there a guy that just kept, like, having a gun and having, like, stick up? No, there like, was no, like, there was no Michael
1: Scott <laughs> moment. But honestly, like, I thought, I don't know. Like, I can't remember the actress's name now, but she was in uh, Shits Creek and played the daughter.
2: Yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. Um, Amanda, um yeah i've lost it i know her name she's in some stuff lately so yeah
1: i her episode and the conan episode and actually believe it or not the marshawn lynch episode those were the three that i think i enjoyed the most because i thought they were the best because they i mean conan at one point like breaks and laughs but it wasn't, like, excessive with those people. And Marshawn Lynch actually surprised me with how good it was. Because when I saw he was the second guest, I was like, uh-oh. But he was really good at it, did a really good job, like, keeping it together in the scene and improving and ad-libbing. Because that's – the guest people, all their lines are improv. They don't have a script. They are just going off whatever feels natural and trying to make it work. And he was he was great at that, and I was like, "All right, like this is funny." He made me laugh a couple times because I was like, "Okay, that's funny." And, uh, but I'd say the show's just okay. And they tried to like wrap a story around it at the end, and it was just like, "Okay."
2: Annie Murphy is Annie
1: Murphy. Name. Yes,
2: I think I like Will Arnett in some stuff. Like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that exist that I like Will Arnett in. I do think. When he is the man, when he is like the thing, and it's around, it's not as good. You know, I think he needs to be that weird brother. I think he needs to be like the the side. He does a good thing. job in BoJack. BoJack's great. Bojack He's the man in BoJack. Great. So that would be the the good thing to bring up in 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 my face there. But I think. I guess in live action things that he's doing because sure. I think the Lego movies are actually, yeah, I think he works in those like Lego Batman and stuff. Like people like them. Um, I, I just, I've noticed that when he had a sitcom TV show, I think was it was on CBS. I didn't really think it worked. Uh, You know, it's just, I don't know. That's kind of my feeling I've got with him. There's other actors that are the same way. I think we talked about these the other week. There's, there's other people that like, if they're a part of the show, it's great. But if the whole thing's them, then it's, it's a lot rougher. And I, I'm starting to think he's one of those. So I think that might play a fact into what this might be backing up my point there with him.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd say watch the first two. Conan O'Brien, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, yeah and Conan then, will bring me in. And then you can watch the Sharon Stone and Annie mm-hmm. Murphy episodes. And after that, I wouldn't watch the other two. I just wouldn't. And it's nothing against those people. I, again, I like Kim Jong. Okay, I like the other guy too because he's been in some stuff I like. But like, they just couldn't stop laughing, and so for me, I was like, uh, it got to a point where it was like annoying, and I was like, I can't. But like, it wasn't
2: get the guys from uh, from whose line is it anyway? In there on those improv guys, I bet I bet Wayne Brady would do a heck of a job.
1: Some <laughs> of them probably need the paycheck.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. So. I think we alluded to it up front. You know, we've all had a week. (laughs) There's been negative news for all of us. Um, Bridgewater was not happy. Uh, that quickly ties to my memories of being at Virginia tech when, when bad things happened. Virginia tech, uh, Blacksburg had another, or had an incident, uh, this weekend too. So those combined things, uh, just weren't positive. Um, I don't want to dive deep into them. I wanted to at least bring them up just to like our, especially the the Bridgewater thing, you know, we had, we changed our profile picture and everything. You know, our thoughts are with all those in Bridgewater. I lived through a, you know, campus violence. Um, and it, it's hard to deal with. It's hard to think about. I don't handle it well. I don't think I've ever processed it the way I need to have. Um, so anybody that has people at Bridgewater, um, have gone to bridgewater know people from bridgewater and so I've just named every people any any people that are listening to our podcast have that uh think about you and I hope you're supporting your people that are more closely um, associated because they need it and that's that's my word on that and uh you know one of the policemen off uh, police officers uh, the campus police officer he was a riverheads graduate has family in Riverheads area so he kind of hit the hit the community down here a little tighter too. And, uh, you know, very involved in the community down this way. So it kind of spread that even closer to home. So, uh, it, it, I just wanted to acknowledge that and say that. And Joe, I, I know you second my thoughts and feelings about it. Um, go ahead with additional comments.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad whenever something like this happens and yep, obviously, uh, One of the worst parts after something like this happens is you hear stories about the people who have passed away and and died in these kind of things. And you heard the stories about the officers at Bridgewater who were killed. And it's just incredibly sad because that's not something anybody should have to go through, but especially people there who are just trying to keep students at Bridgewater College. It's incredibly sad to me that something like that happens. And like you said, for you, it brings up memories of Virginia Tech and, and what that was like. And for different communities, it brings up different different feelings and different memories because it's hard to go in this country now without a community that hasn't suffered through something like this or knows of someone who's had to suffer through something like
2: this. Yep. And then it's, it's kept coming, I think, uh, Monday, also, there was some sadness at JMU as well. So uh, just a lot of hits for a lot of people for us all to take in and, uh, you know, keep in mind what's more important. And we, we host a sports podcast, and I wanted to lead with sports in this podcast. I designed that we would talk about this stuff late, even though it's of the most importance. I wanted to lead with the happy first on the podcast uh, for my own sake, selfishly, uh, for my own mental stability, um, because I needed that escape. And that's why I, I love sports and love the escape. And, you know, talk about stuff even close to home. Uh, my mom's business, the Stanton Academy of Ballet, they were next door to Rask Floris and Rask Floris uh, building had a fire and that fire resulted in damage into our building. So ever since that Thursday morning, uh, my life has kind of flipped on its side a little bit and uh, I've been highly involved with that. And uh, from that, everybody's safe. And that's number one, easily number one. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about people being victims here. We're talking about stuff being victims and stuff can get fixed and replaced. And so that's above all uh, what matters the most. And so I wanted to use this platform to thank the fire department, thank the um, emergency services of Stanton. Uh, They handled it beautifully on Thursday morning. I got to watch about the whole thing because I got a call and was there pretty quickly. And uh, there was still fire going on when I was there. And so uh, I thought they did a great job handling everything and uh, they did what it took to get it out. And that was great. And so I want to thank them. And uh, as a representative of my family who own the, own the next door building that had damage, want to thank them for uh, what they did. And uh, if you listen to this podcast and you see one of those people, you know, thank them, <laughs> thank them. You don't have to thank them specifically, like passing on from Leland, but thank them for what they do because it's important and, uh, I think, uh, you know, we see a lot of cases where they save a lot of lives and stuff. This wasn't a case where they saved lives, but they got it taken care of before we would imagine lives need to be saved, and that was great. Uh, also, Dominion Power and Columbia Gas, those utilities got out there quick and kept it from being a more dangerous situation, not only for the general public, but also those fighting the fire. Uh, they quickly responded, which I thought was very good. I was able to coordinate with them for our building, and I know what they were able to do for the other building, so I wanted to acknowledge those um, people that saved property that day, um, but also you know could have you know saved lives if it if it carried on. And then uh, not secondly, but right alongside that, so the support of the parents of kids that take ballet from my mom, uh, the neighboring businesses, the neighboring people that live there, uh, local churches that offered, the local church that has taken my mom's business on for the next period of time um, just so nice, uh, uh, people so willing to give, give, give. And, uh, when on Thursday AM, I mean, we're still in the AM on Thursday, I got to call it seven 30 in the morning and still within five hours of that we're, we're pushing people away from helping, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, you need to not be in the building. We need to go through the process of insurance and all this. We love that you're here. We love that you want to come take stuff out of here, but we need to handle it the the way we've been being told by our insurance agents so nice for people to show up. And then as soon as there was opportunity for them to help in some way, even though, you know, you know, we have insurance, this is a business. We're not, you know, this isn't our family home or something uh, for people to step up so quickly and want to help those classes continue for my mom's business. Um, Not for the sake of a business aspect, for the sake that these kids saw the opportunity to be exposed to ballet and, and have that normalcy in their life in a time where so much gets uprooted because of COVID and everything else. People were so willing to do whatever it took for the classes to continue. Uh, the local church, St. John's, right up the road on North Augusta, offering their space and the families that bought stuff for, um, to be used for those classes to take place. So happy, so thankful. So again, I'm using this platform to thank those people for everything they did and um, thankful everybody's healthy and, and safe from it. And now we can get the process of putting it all back together. Yeah. That'll 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 be dominating my life. But uh also, you know, thanks to the support system around me, my wife, you know, uh I, I threw kids at her and said, You gotta take them to school. And I ran out the door and you know, her taking my immediate household on and then she's bringing me clothes and you know, supporting my process, my boss, understanding what's going on and and what's gonna be ahead of us. You know, I'm I'm lucky, very, very blessed. So thankful to everyone around me. And uh Thanks, anybody that's helped or even thought about us. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's obviously no way (laughs) of saying all that. (laughs) Yeah, when
1: you sent me, you know, the text and Twitter message about that, and um, the pictures that you were getting that morning. uh, You know, obviously, my first concern was for your mom's business, and um, I was glad to hear that the damage was not as bad as originally. I thought when you know originally you had heard that building was on fire and yeah, um,
2: and I'm sorry for Rask. I mean, yeah, that's, I was gonna uh, say obviously that. I'm you know sorry you're, for that business. Yeah, yeah that's terrible.
1: A, um, and I hope mm-hmm. that they're able to, you know, they've been great neighbors
2: for you know we've been in that building thirty years, thirty two years with my mom's business. They've been great neighbors the whole time, and I know they've been around much longer than that. So that's a staple of Stanton. That's and down I hope and out that right they're now. able to get back. I mean, they've in, gotten great help and get there. Nice. Yep.
1: get back on their feet before valentine's day and make that happen because i'm sure that's the biggest day of the year for them so uh, you know you don't want to see them miss miss out on that opportunity yeah uh and you want to see them stay in business you don't want to see a business go down because of this and obviously and There's, strength. You know,
2: you know, there's strength in that I even mean, they said yeah. we're, we're still doing valentine's day at this ultimate location and that kind of i think it helps help their neighbor theirs you know say you know we're yeah. all going to be okay. Like if, if that building had worse damage than we had, they're still going to get going. We can do it too. And so right. it's, it's a motivating factor and a, a community strength thing. And,
1: uh, you know, talking about the community, I think that's the good part. You know, you were talking about the number of people you had to turn away, which is, which is a good thing. And it shows yeah. the... Nicely turn away. <laughs> the, yeah. It shows the... Enough,
2: uh, a couple of days later when someone brought a whole like pig, uh, uh, um, uh, slow, uh, smoker, yeah. smoke-cooked pig and beans we didn't turn them away. We, we let them on in. So.
1: <laughs> but it's nice that, uh, the community is there and that's the, the great part yep. about small towns and, uh, is just the loving care and community that, that can be there sometimes. So you like to see that. And obviously we're hoping Rask Forest gets back on their feet as soon yep. as possible. And obviously for your, your mom's ballet Academy as well.
2: Yep. Watch their Facebook pages, both, both businesses, uh, for any updates, if you're wanting to help, or this is, you know, letting you know about what's happened uh, and you want to help uh, information will be there. And uh, you know, both businesses will need help down the line. I think that's probably one of the more important things to remind people like kind of got stabilized here immediately, but there's going to be help upcoming. And so uh, think about it come, come June when there might be more help for both businesses uh, when things have changed. So uh, uh, keep that in mind, but I w- I want to thank everybody for listening this week. We were excited about this episode. We're excited about next week, episode, too. Uh, so make sure you're following us and subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and Google, and following us on Twitter and Facebook at Yak Sports Pod. Always feel free to interact with us. And uh, we look forward to bringing you another show next week, and we'll talk to you then.
0: You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County Sports Podcast.